Well, good morning. It's good to see those of you here in the worship center. Welcome to those of you in the venue as well as those of you joining us online. Before we turn to the Word, I want to remind you of something, uh, reiterate something we heard earlier. On Friday, we have three Good Friday services, and uh, they're at 5.30, 6.45, and 8 o'clock. Child care is at the 5.30 service, and uh, that's for zero to pre-K. And uh, we have plenty of room across these three services, but we'd really love for you to register so that we don't find one service. Uh, the last thing we want is for people to come and not have a seat and be out in the foyer or somewhere. And so if you would sign up online, uh, that would be great. You can do that on the Church Center app, or if you get the e-blast, you can, you can sign up there. And all three services will be live streamed as well. Well, since next week is Easter, uh, we're going to take a two-week break from our series in 1 John. Next week, of course, we'll talk about the resurrection. Today, we're going to talk about uh, a passage that encourages us to fix our eyes on Jesus, especially the events of the last week of his life. And so, if you would, please stand with me as I read. I'm going to read from Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is God's word. You can be seated. <clears throat> Many of you uh, know the name Tim Keller. He's an author and pastor. And uh, about a year ago, he was diagnosed, he was at age 69, diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And as you probably know, the survival rate for that type of cancer is very, very low. And as many pastors, uh, Keller's had the opportunity to talk with other people who have received a diagnosis like the one that he got. And his observation is that many, time, many times when people are told they would die at a time and in a way that they think is not fair, that it often shakes or even shatters their faith. He writes this, one woman with cancer told me years ago, I am not a believer anymore. That doesn't work for me. I can't believe in a personal God who would do something like this to me. And, and Keller says, cancer killed her God. And so when Keller got his diagnosis, he actually began to wonder if his faith was strong enough to sustain him through suffering and death, whether it came sooner or later. And one of the, the things Keller felt like he needed to evaluate, really, was his view of God. What do I actually believe about God and his fairness? Specifically, Keller wondered, had my faith been shaped by my culture? Had I been slipping unconsciously into the supposition that God lived for me rather than I for him? 
and that life should go well for me, and that I knew better than God, than God does how things should go? And the answer was yes, to some degree. And so here's Tim Keller, who's walked with God for decades, has a strong faith, has influenced countless people all across the world, and yet he himself is taking this, this look, this honest evaluation of his faith. Now, what he purposed in his heart was to deepen his faith, however many days he has left, to deepen his faith uh, through Scripture and through prayer. And so his desire is to grow stronger and stronger in his faith until his dying breath. In other words, he wants to cross the finish line strong when it comes to his faith in God. The biblical word to describe what he's going for is perseverance or endurance. The scripture doesn't encourage us merely to sprint and then give up. It encourages us to walk with God strong until our final breath, no matter what hardship we endure. And so today's passage, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, gives us a vision for that type of perseverance. The original recipients of Hebrews were, were being tempted to quit walking with Christ. They were predominantly Jewish believers who had come to faith in Christ. They come to believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah. And when they first came to Christ, they were very passionate in their discipleship. We learned in chapter 10 that they even gladly suffered persecution uh, for Jesus. But somewhere along the way, they had gotten beaten down and worn out by all the suffering. And so they began to wonder, maybe it's just, maybe it's best if we just go back to the old way of life. They went back to Judaism and they quit following Christ, quit confessing Christ. Poof, the persecution would evaporate, would disappear. So throughout the book of Hebrews, the author encourages his readers, hold fast to what you've believed about Jesus and endure, persevere. If uh, Jesus is greater than Moses and if the new covenant is greater than the old covenant, the last thing you can do is let go of your faith in Christ. And as you know, we too can get beat down and worn out we too can get to the place in our walk with God where we wonder, is this even worth it? Is it worth it to walk with Christ? Maybe if I just let go of my faith and went back to the old way of life, whether it's a different faith or no faith at all, maybe that would solve all my problems. And so what he's writing here is as relevant for us as it was for them. And so in light of that possibility, and you, you really should not rule that out for yourself, you shouldn't be like Peter and say, what an, I will never deny you, Lord. I would never, I would die for you. But in light of that possibility, I want us to look at uh, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. We're going to see two things about perseverance. First of all, the mentality of perseverance, how we need to think. And second, the focus of perseverance, where we need to look. First of all, the mentality of perseverance in, in Hebrews 12, 1. I want you to notice how the author of Hebrews encourages us to own our perseverance. We need to own it. We need to pursue it. It's just not the case that some people just naturally, effortlessly float through life and have this incredible faith all the way to the end, and other people, for whatever reason, just quit believing. That's not the way it works. God keeps us close as we do everything we can 
to persevere. And so we read this, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance, the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That great cloud of witnesses, it's like this heavenly host that's surrounding us, and it's a reference to all the believers that are described in the Old Testament. You read about their faith if you read the Old Testament. People like Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, and many others. If you read Hebrews 11, you'll see that they persevered through weakness, warfare, beatings, imprisonments, stonings. Some were sawn in two. Apparently, the, the way they like, to, uh, they like to martyr some people, you put them in a hollow log and you saw the log in two. Some were put to death by the sword. Some were destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. But they all persevered by faith. They did not give up. They never abandoned their faith in God. And so they're witnesses because their lives are speaking to us. They're telling us that it is possible and it's worth it to walk with Christ no matter what. And so if we care to notice, we'll see many examples in the Old Testament of flawed, imperfect people. Most of them sinned in some spectacular ways, but they did not give up. They kept going back to God. They hung on to their faith and they persevered and they now experience great reward. The author says, let us also, just like they did, lay aside every encumbrance and sin which entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And that term race, it's, it's translated in 1 Peter 4, 7, fight. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. In Colossians 2, 1, it's, just, it's translated as a conflict. And so the author of Hebrews isn't talking about a nice leisurely jog in the neighborhood. He's talking about a long, grueling, punishing uh, course that requires stamina and perseverance. Notice a couple things about this race. First of all, it's the race that is set before us. There's a sense in which all of our races are the same. Uh, there, there are similarities. They all end up at the same place at Jesus. But there's another sense in which all of us have different, different uh, courses. We have different races. And they're races that we didn't choose, courses we didn't choose, because we don't choose most of the circumstances that dominate our lives. We don't get to choose our parents or our siblings. We don't get to choose the country, the culture in which we're born and raised. Uh, we don't get to choose our shape or our size or our personalities or about a dozen other things that are important about ourselves. That means that we don't get to choose the race that we're running. A race is set before us. And your life is the only life you have. You may look at somebody else and say, man, I wish I had their life. I wish I could run that race. But your life, your race is the only life, the only race you have. And so it's set before us in terms of specific challenges and assignments. And second, like a runner who wants to be as light as possible, as unburdened as possible, we are responsible to lay aside the things that slow us down and trip us up. In other words, with God's help, it's our responsibility Nobody else can do this for us. It's our responsibility to deal decisively with the things that keep us from living by faith until our dying breath. 
And so the author mentions every encumbrance or every weight. And so that's a reference to anything that slows us down, whether it's inherently sinful or not. And this is where you have to be very honest with yourself. Paul said, all things are permissible, but not all things are profitable. What are the things that are unprofitable for you in the race that you're running? And so in our context, it could be anything from habits of eating and drinking and sleeping to our choices in entertainment and recreation. So we have to be honest. What are the things that slow me down? The author also mentions laying aside the sin which so easily entangles us. Like a vine that's growing up around a tree, our sins entangle us and they trip us up from running the race set before us. In the book of Hebrews, sin is mentioned, how many times did you guess? 5, 10, 15, 25 times. You're right, 25 times. And one of the most relevant references for us is in chapter 3. Uh, the author talks about the, the progression that often happens between sin and unbelief. He said, uh, he said, sin deceives us. It convinces us of things that just aren't true. We believe all sorts of lies by sin. And when sin deceives us, it can move to a hardened heart. Instead of being soft toward God, God, I want what you want. We're like, whatever. And that can lead to an evil, unbelieving heart. And so if left unchecked, this sin over here, which seems so innocent, what's the big deal? Nobody's perfect. If it's left unchecked, it can lead to a hardened heart and unbelief. And so it's our responsibility to deal decisively with these things. I'm not implying that it's easy or quick to set aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Actually, when I'm dealing with other people's sin, it's really, it's really obvious. It is very, I'm just a, a genius when it comes to other people's sins. This is exactly what you need to do, and you should just do it. When it comes to my sin and my encumbrances, it's neither easy nor quick, okay? So massive amounts of grace are involved. Massive amounts of encouragement from others is required. But here's the mentality. By God's grace... Like others before me, I will run my race with endurance, laying aside everything that slows me down and trips me up. And we, we get back to our study in 1 John, we're going to see there's just incredible encouragement and enlightenment on how we maintain that mentality. So that's how we think. Run my race, laying aside everything that slows me down and trips me up. Next, let's consider the focus of perseverance in Hebrews 12, verses 2 and 3. So we should be encouraged by this great cloud of witnesses, all the people who've gone before us, uh, that run their race with endurance. But our ultimate focus is elsewhere. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so whereas many people in the past and many people in this room have walked by faith and have persevered through just incredible hardships. Jesus has done so uniquely. He has done so perfectly. He's called the author and perfecter of our faith. The word author, some translations render it pioneer. The idea, he has blazed a trail and we are following along behind him. And the trail that he blazed it's by faith, like many others, but it's unique because he's unique and because his mission 
was unique. He's unique because he's the sinless son of God who took on flesh and blood. He became one of us, and his mission was to be the, the once-for-all sacrifice for sin. And so he's the author of this faith, meaning dependence on God. He's also the perfecter of faith in the sense that he perfectly trusted his heavenly father. And if he hadn't perfectly lived by faith, he would not be our sinless substitute. And so we would not have salvation. And how he perfected faith is stated in the rest of the verse. It says, for the joy set before him, and that's a reference to the reward he would experience after the cross. He anticipated the joy that would be after the cross. Read Hebrews 11. That's what the, the saints of old did as well. And that would involve at least a couple of things. It would involve him returning to the Father, being seated and enthroned at the right hand of God, and his joy would also come from those who on earth believe in him and trust him and persevere, and then they join him in this heavenly home. And so the prospect of future joy sustained Jesus during his suffering. We read that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. And so the author deliberately mentions that he endured the cross because he's encouraging us to run our race with endurance. We want to fix our eyes on the one who endured the shame. And we're told that he despised the shame, meaning the shame associated with the, the cross. As you may be aware, the, the crucifixion in the Roman Empire was designed to inflict the maximum amount of shame on a person, really possible, okay? And so the person was stripped naked. The person was nailed to a cross, and they were hung publicly to die and bleed out to, to asphyxiate publicly before other people. And then typically, the person was left on the cross uh, so that birds would eat their body. And so they were denied a proper burial. When you despise something, you look down on it as unworthy of respect. And that's what Jesus did in relation to the shame of the cross. He didn't respect shame as the most powerful thing in the universe, the thing you would avoid at all costs. And that's our temptation, isn't it? We're like, I would rather anything than being experienced shame publicly in front of other people. But Jesus said, if doing the will of God means beaten, being, being, being beaten, spat upon, being mocked, being condemned when I'm innocent, if it involves being crucified publicly, so be it. I don't respect shame. I, I live to please my heavenly Father. Nothing can dissuade me from, sit, from running the race set before me. And so the author mentions this for the fifth time in the book of Hebrews that Jesus has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's a reference to Psalm 110.1. As one commentator put it, it's the prize that came to him at the end of his race. And so the fact that Jesus ran his race and got the reward guarantees that everyone who's in Christ, who runs this race and perseveres, will also receive the reward. And the reward is first and foremost Jesus himself. And so here's the focus of perseverance. I will fix my eyes on Jesus to be convinced 
that it is possible and it's worth it to persevere. Fix your eyes on Jesus and it changes everything as you evaluate what you're called to endure. This mentality, this focus is reinforced in verse 3. It says, For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In other words, he's saying, let his endurance inform your endurance. Have you ever had this thought, you know, God, if you love me, you would never, you would never allow me to experience fill in the blank. Can you fill in that blank with anything? I would submit if you, if you have anything you could put in that blank, you haven't fixed your eyes on Jesus to the degree you should. Because you look at Jesus' life, he was the, the sinless son of God. God loved him, and nothing was out of bounds for what his son would experience. And so to grow weary and lose heart, it means you become so weary that you're no longer living from the heart. Instead of being energetic and full of faith, you're lethargic. You don't persevere. And so I would like to invite and encourage you, along with the rest of the church, this week, in a very focused, concentrated way, to fix your eyes on Jesus, considering him, noticing the hostility that he endured. And I would say this is important, this is vital, no matter what age you are, no matter what stage of life you're in. Consider this an investment in your endurance. You're investing now for something you will need later. As Ben said, you need to weave the parachute before you jump out of the plane, right? You don't want to be in a free fall, and you don't want that to be the time when you start wondering, I wonder if my parachute is intact. I wonder if it's going to hold me if it's going to work. No, the time to weave the parachute is way before when it comes to perseverance. One of the ways that we do that is to fix our eyes on Jesus and become more convinced that it's possible and it's worth it to persevere no matter what comes into our lives, okay? So toward that end, we're providing a, it's very simple, a scripture reading and a video meditation via email, Monday through Saturday. If you get the e-blast, you're going to get it automatically. It'll come early in the morning, Monday through Saturday, um, and uh, before, you, before you get up. If you don't get the e-blast, I'd encourage you to sign up for it. Just go to the connection card, go to the Church Center app, and, and just check the box. You can unsubscribe after this week if you'd like, but it will show up, and it will just give you a way to read the Scripture, to notice what Jesus experienced, and then there will be some, some thoughts, some meditation that will help you focus. But we will encourage you to think about the things you endure in light of the things that Jesus endured, such as he was betrayed by Judas, he was denied by Peter, he was interrogated by Herod and Pilate, he was given a death sentence even though he was innocent, he was mocked, beaten, flogged, a crown of thorn was, thorns was pressed into his head, and then he was crucified. And then we're going to encourage you to look at the ways that you have been betrayed, denied, disappointed, misunderstood, misrepresented. Perhaps you've been mocked and shamed 
by other people. Uh, perhaps you're facing physical, mental, or emotional suffering. We're going to ask you to look at those things in light of the, what the things Jesus experienced. Look at your endurance in light of his endurance. We're told no slave is, is greater than his master. Jesus said, if they treated me this way, if you follow me, they will treat you the same way as well. And so this discipline is not meant to suggest that our hardships are trivial or insignificant. That is not the case. As I look around this room, some of you are facing some tough, tough, tough circumstances. You're going to have to persevere. And so it's not, the point is not, your life isn't that bad. Just suck it up. Just persevere. No. Hebrews tells us that everything Jesus endured on earth makes him empathize with us, and it makes him, and, and he is more than willing to help us in our time of need. And so the point of this discipline is to convince us more deeply that it's possible and it's worth it to persevere no matter what hardships we face. And so, God, we ask you that during this week, that you will give us the will and give us the courage to look upon Jesus, to look deeply and to notice what he experienced. And God, give us the courage to look at what we're experiencing and to uh, let his endurance inform our endurance. God, we don't want to outlive our love for you. We want to walk by faith all our days, no matter what. God, that will only happen by your, your power, your spirit. But that's what we want, so that's what we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.